On Point with Craig's Investment Partners. The information provided here is general in nature. It's not financial advice. It doesn't take into account your financial situation, objectives, goals, or risk tolerance. All investments are subject to risks and none are guaranteed. So before you make any investment decisions, we recommend you contact an investment advisor. For more information about our services in that regard, you can go to our website, which is craigsip.com. Welcome to On Point. I'm Mark Lister, Investment Director at Craig's Investment Partners, and I'll be talking about a range of topics, including economics, portfolio strategy, investor education, and anything else that's happening out there in financial markets. Morning, team. I wanted to talk today about asset sales, and I know for some of you, those are probably dirty words, but are they really? Do they need to be? Is this a topic that we should be debating? We've got a new government in place or soon to be in place and we've seen lots of changes in local governments across the country in recent times as well. And I think asset sales is something that we should be talking about for a range of reasons. We're carrying higher debt levels as a nation than we have in the past and there's a limit to how much we want to put up rates or put up taxes and put additional burdens on society. We've got creaking infrastructure so there'd be no shortage of uses for any funds that we did raise and demand from investors wouldn't be a problem at all. We've got a very small share market that has limited options to satisfy a steady stream of KiwiSaver money that keeps on rolling in each and every month. So I think the fear that we have of asset sales or the, the concept that comes up in some people's minds selling the golden goose, uh, giving up on the family silver, it's quite irrational. I don't think it should spark the outrage that it does for some people. And there is a way you can have your cake and eat it too. We've got several great examples of asset sell downs or partial sell downs in New Zealand that have proved to be a win-win for everybody. The Port of Tauranga is an obvious one. And the local council there still has a 54% stake. So they've still got the majority stake. You know, if there was ever a vote on a major strategic issue, they have effectively got control. But that company listed on the share market way back in 1992, more than 30 years ago, and it's been a roaring success over that time. It's the only New Zealand port that is able to accommodate the biggest ships. It handles a third of our cargo as a nation, nearly 40% of our total exports, and almost half of all of our shipping containers. So it's the biggest by, by a country mile. And its performance as a company has trounced that of its peers. Uh, we won't talk about poor old Ports of Auckland, which has really been a drain uh, on the poor old Auckland ratepayers for a long time. They've had to subsidise it. But the Port of Tauranga has beaten all of its peers in terms of financial success and operational efficiencies. It's, it's the most efficient port we've got in the country. And I would argue that a key reason for this success has been, it's been a number of factors, but a big one has been the stronger governance that has come with being a listed company. The mixed ownership model is a phrase that we tend to use uh, when you've got a company that is during the John Key Billinglish years, 2013-2014, uh, the national government of the day sold just under half of those three big SOEs, uh, Mighty River Power, which is now Mercury New Zealand, Meridian Energy, and Genesis Energy. They're, they're now listed on the stock exchange. So whether you know it or not, 
uh, just about all of you listening probably have shares in those companies, either indirectly or directly. And that has been a fantastic success. I actually started my career in the electricity industry about 25 years ago, and I worked for one of the, at the time there was two um, share market listed entities and you had those three big SOEs and we used to make fun of them. They were big and bloated and they weren't run as well as they could be. They were slow, they were inefficient, but at the same time they were really difficult competitors, not for the right reasons. They weren't they weren't tough competitors because they were good at what they do. It's just that you had uh, management teams and governance structures that weren't respecting shareholder capital as much as they should be. So they didn't make sensible commercial decisions. Things have dramatically changed uh, over that period. These companies, they're no longer sort of the big, bloated, slow, inefficient beasts that they used to be. Uh, and government ownership, and there's plenty of other companies we could talk about. You know, some of you will remember Telecom when it was uh, state-owned. You know, it used to take weeks to get your phone connected and you know to do anything. So there's examples uh, right across the board of governments and politicians and bureaucrats proving that they're not good at running businesses or governing companies. It's just not what they should be doing. So I don't think we should persevere with that model for the most part. And I recall a few years after the IPOs, uh, which is initial public offerings, uh, the share market float of, of those three companies, Mighty River, Meridian and Genesis, I asked one of the chief executives uh, from one of those companies who had been there through that can transition. Uh, he'd presided over the company and government ownership, been through the IPO process, and then been the chief executive through that, you know, early early period uh, on the listed market. Um, what was the biggest change he'd noticed? That's what I asked him since the the share market float, and he didn't hesitate straight away. Scrutiny. That was the word he used. And what he meant there is that added pressure to manage the business well, to spend every dollar wisely, and to have a clear strategy. You know, these are all the things that we don't associate with governments, politicians, or councils. You know, spending money wisely, acting sensibly, having a clear strategy. But when you're in the listed space, uh, when when your shares are listed on the share market, there's nowhere to hide. You've got an army of very experienced, very astute analysts and some very savvy investors, you know, fund managers, private investors, lots of people that are watching your every move and judging your performance. So those three companies, um, and I wouldn't limit it to these three, but, you know, using those three electricity companies as an example, they're dramatically better businesses today than they were a decade ago. And, And that's been reflected in the earnings growth the dividends and the share price growth that we've seen over that period. And I know what you're going to say, that's come at the expense of consumers um, since these companies have been privately owned. They have ramped up prices and not looked after people and so forth. That's not true. If you look at MB figures, so this is government figures, electricity costs per unit have increased at less than half the rate they did when those companies were in government ownership. So over the last decade, the rate of increase has been less than half what it was during the previous period. So I would argue that uh, customers haven't been shortchanged in that regard either. Anyway, the Crown still owns 51% of those three companies, as is the case with Air New Zealand, so it's not a dissimilar 
model uh, to the port of Tauranga. That's why we call it mixed ownership because you've got you know the crown or the local council, and you've got the private shareholders. Um, uh, KiwiSaver funds and and otherwise. So the taxpayer has had the best of both worlds. They have uh, continued to benefit from any further success in the company because they still own fifty one percent. They've retained control, and it's not all about having fifty one percent. You know, sometimes you know the right number is nineteen percent or twenty percent. You know, that's sort of also a, a, a specific point. You know, it's enough to get you a a board seat or two. Um, and to have you know a fair amount of influence, so fifteen at one percent is not the magic number, but at the moment that's what it is for all of these businesses. So uh, they still share in the successes of the company. They still retra- retain control and influence, and they've they've also had that money to reinvest in other things. So they have had the best of both worlds. The rest of the profit, you know, from the forty nine percent that was sold off, that's largely stayed in the country too. Now, most of it is owned uh, by KiwiSaver funds and private New Zealand investors. Yeah, you've got you've got a few international investors, but they're very much the minority. So, the 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 ownership of these three entities is is, is sort of tracking around that eighty percent mark in terms of the New Zealand ownership, give or take. So, still very much dominated by local investors. The money hasn't left our shores. I think this approach is is fantastic because it gives central or local government the opportunity to reinvest those proceeds and other priorities, and we've got plenty of them. So the, the money's not gone anywhere. You haven't sort of given anything away. It hasn't evaporated into thin air. You've, you've sold off that stake, uh, and you've got that capital, and you can either reinvest it somewhere else where it will generate returns, or you can reduce the amount of money that you need to borrow, which is going to save you on that borrowing and put less pressure on future generations. So I think it's a fantastic model. I think there are other assets um, when we look across the country and we look at local government, central government, uh, lots of assets in their hands that wouldn't look out of place listed on our share market. Kiwi Bank is one that springs to mind. And at the moment, we've just seen this string of uncomfortably good profit announcements from the major New Zealand banks. You know, we, we all love strong results and good profit announcements. And if we're, if we're shareholders and the ANZs or the, or the other Australian banks, uh, then that's good. But all of that money or the vast bulk of it goes offshore uh, and all of those banks are headquartered in Sydney or Melbourne. So if Kiwi Bank was listed, I think it would have a much better chance than it does at the moment of becoming a genuine competitor to those Aussie giants. And you would probably see the bulk of its earnings remaining here. Uh, You could have New Zealand entities, whether it's a super fund, whether it's whoever retaining sort of cornerstone stakes. Um, You'd probably get imputation credits attached to your dividends. So Kiwi investors would love it. And we would all rather back... Uh, a New Zealand-based banking story, wouldn't we? So I think those are things that we should be thinking about. The mixed ownership model, being a huge success in New Zealand, allowed the taxpayer to have its cake and eat it too, uh, takes pressure off our debt burden, good for customers, good for the share market, good for investors, good for KiwiSaver. I just can't see a lot of downside. It's fostered better businesses. You know, that added scrutiny, that added focus and spotlight forces businesses to lift their game and do better. 
Uh, it's broadened the range of options for investors, and and we've kept more of our investment capital within our shores. You know, there's lots of money out there looking for an investment destination, and if we don't have more companies on our market, people will just invest their money offshore. We'd all rather see that money stay here in New Zealand. So having a few more companies, a few more options, is a great way to do that. And I think the time is right for forward-thinking politicians, and I'm talking not just about those in, in Wellington, um, but local governments right across the country uh, of all stripes. You know, forget about whether you're blue, green, yellow, red, you know, purple, whatever it is. Forward-thinking politicians need to shelve any misconceptions they've got about the term asset sales and start embracing some of these opportunities that will be the best thing for the country for people, for business, and for investors, and for and for our financial statements as well. So I think it's a really interesting debate to have. I'm sure there's some of you that won't agree with my thoughts. That's okay. That's, that's why we have these discussions uh, on these episodes, because we want to bring some of these topics to the fore and debate them. So feel free to disagree. Feel free to argue. Uh, send me your thoughts. But for what it's worth, that's where I'm at. All right, thanks team. We'll talk again soon. For more insights, visit craigsip.com.